When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome into the stew here at the Corporate Research Center in Blacksburg, Virginia. Kyle Marshak across the way. We have Carter Hill behind the desk, one of the best producers in the land, Giovanni Heater. He's just giving me the hand right now. Should be a fun one for TSL today. We're going to talk men's hoops after a tough loss to Miami. And in segment two, of course, we're going to catch up on the number nine ranked women's basketball squad as we preview UNC. Then we have the Clearwater preview for softball, recapping what happened for the softball squad. And of course, ETSU recap for baseball. Baseball. That and more on TSL today, and it starts right now. We welcome you back into the stew today. All right, so we have baseball. Carter Hill, welcome on to the set. Uh, baseball is in that second segment. Before I preview that with Chris, who's going to hop onto the set in segment two, we'll do the old switcheroo. But for now, men's basketball. You and I were on the call last night for a fun one against Miami and Castle Coliseum. It feels like men's basketball is always within reach, even with a tough stretch in ACC play, Carter. There's a lot of things to look at on the stat sheet. It was really tight in those final few minutes. The first one that stands out to me, the Hokies got out-rebounded 39-31, to 31, and they also lot, uh, missed a lot of open shots in the final five minutes. Is it the rebounds? Is it the missed shots? Or is it a combination of both for the Hokies well, right now? It's funny, Mr. Marshak. It's funny. And first, great to be with you today for our first TSL today yeah, together man. in the stew. Whoops, sorry. Didn't mean to hit you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think when you look at this Virginia Tech team and the way this Miami game played out, it's really tough because Mike Young said it in the post game. Miami shot 42% from the field, 32% from three. And if you had told Mike Young and company that before the game, Virginia Tech probably would have said they would have won the game. And Mike Young even said that in his postgame press conference. You look back to the previous matchup between the two down in Coral Gables, Miami shot 57% from the field. Miami now on a seven-game win streak. The first six games of that win streak, they shot at least 52% from the field, and they scored at least 78 points. So it's no secret, one of the more dynamic offenses in the country and the statistically most dynamic offense in the ACC. I thought Virginia Tech really controlled the pace in this ball game. I mean, what, with seven minutes left in the first half, the game was in the 20s. Yeah. That's exactly where the Hokies wanted the game to be at. It was in the 30s at halftime. It was in the 50s with about seven and a half minutes to go. It eventually got to the to the 70s due to foul trouble, or not foul trouble, but you know fouls late in the game and hitting some late shots in desperation mode for the Hokies. The game was pretty much where Virginia Tech wanted it to be. Tech just couldn't hit open shots. They couldn't seem to score when they needed to. Miami got some big stops defensively. And as you mentioned, the rebounds were key for the Hurricanes. 39-31 to 31 in favor of Miami and 14 offensive rebounds. Four big ones for Forchad O'Meara down low. Yeah, Norchad's not even that leading scorer necessarily for the offense of the Hurricanes. But he dropped 21 and led the way for Miami uh, last time around in that same matchup. The box scores between both games that we've had against Miami are incredibly similar. Both teams just shot the lights out from the field. It's just the Hurricanes did it slightly better, it felt like. Kind of kind of weird. But the Hokies still, uh, they, they still heated up towards the end, just couldn't close the show. And we've seen a lot of games like that. 
The Hokies ebbs and flows is what I want to talk about so far this season. I know a lot of people have made this conversation, but you look at it like a roller coaster. They've had really high highs and really low lows and a lot of loop-de-loops in between. They've been as high as a win over number six ranked UVA. They got bacon that day too. They got it last night. Two consecutive losses to Boston College and then an L to Georgia Tech. How is that possible for the Hokies? They're just inconsistent right now. And I think Mike Young and company are trying to put a finger to that because when you continue to lose games like that, there's no it's no wonder why Virginia Tech's in the position that they're currently in. The Hokies will not make the NCAA they won't miss the NCAA tournament because they lost last night to Miami. They will miss the NCAA tournament because they lost to Boston College twice and they lost to Georgia Tech. It just seems like they can't really find the rhythm. Both, you know, both offensively and defensively on either side of the ball, it seems like one night one can be on, one night it can be off. And that was the problem last night, too. We mentioned it in the opening just a minute ago. Virginia Tech never gotten a true rhythm offensively. Grant Bazilli had 13 points, but he wasn't as good as he's been. Now, it's, it's a tough ask because in the last eight games, in six of them, Grant Bazilli had scored at least 20 points. And he had scored 20 points in the last four games. Now, he's still scored in double figures in the last 12. Yeah. But it just seemed like Tech couldn't get in a rhythm offensively. And that seems to be the moral of the story of the season so far. And it's not just an offensive thing. Just never really finding consistency on both sides of the ball. Obviously, early on in the season, the Hunter Couture injury majorly affected some things. But when you're not consistent, especially in the ACC, I know people talk about it is a bad conference this year. It's tough to win games night in and night out. And when you find yourself in a 1-7 and seven hole in the ACC... It's tough to climb out of. They did it last year. Yeah, they were two and seven in the ACC. But it's almost like you know you get fortunate the first time you turn in an, the first time you turn in an assignment at eleven fifty eight. You're you're fortunate if you started at eleven forty five and you turn it in on time. You're fortunate. But if you try to do it again the next assignment, maybe you're not so lucky. And that appears to be what happened to Virginia Tech this season. I, I like that analogy. And uh, you and I, as college students, we might have handed in a couple assignments at eleven fifty eight, and and it works out. But it feels like the Hokies do wait till that last. Uh, handful of minutes to try and get the game done. Uh, you touched on it earlier, the pace. Hurricanes are a fast team. The Hokies like to run a slow offense. You could not pick a pace between the two teams, it felt like. Well, it was more so, too. Virginia Tech wanted to, to go slow last night because they wanted to limit Miami offensively. Yeah. I mentioned their numbers in the past six games. I mean, they're dynamic. Their guard play is fantastic. Arguably, maybe the the best one-two punch at the guard position in the country with Isaiah Wong at the top and then Nigel Pack at the two position, the Kansas State transfer. So they're really, really good. So Virginia Tech really wanted to slow the pace down and by doing that that was going to give them the major advantage and it did give them a major advantage they just couldn't take advantage of it offensively and when you're trying to limit an offense like that that Miami has that's how you have to play we talked about it during the broadcast Kyle it was very interesting to watch because you could definitely tell how well the game ebbed and flowed you could tell when the pace was picking up in the favor of the Hurricanes and you could tell when it was favoring the Hokies as well based on how slowly Virginia Tech was running their offense or how quickly Miami Miami run, uh, wanted to wanted to run, I should say. Miami's they're one of the more athletic teams in the country, and they can definitely push the pace offensively, which is what Virginia Tech wanted to limit. Miami probably, in my opinion, and I know this is kind of going off on a tangent. In my opinion, I think the Hurricanes are the best equipped team to not only go on a run to win the ACC tournament in Greensboro but go on a run in the NCAA tournament. And I think they showed that last night by how well they can run it offensively and how well, how well they can push the pace. You and I were chatting about the bubble picture in the ACC. There are pretty much a, a strong dichotomy between the teams. 
There are teams that are in, and then there are teams that are on the outside looking in. Uh, those two teams that are kind of on the outside looking in, the what you could say the extended bubble picture right now are Syracuse and Virginia Tech. I feel like Virginia Tech might be exiting even that category after another loss last night. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any way now Virginia Tech can get into the NCAA tournament without winning the ACC again. And it's going to be much different than last year because in all likelihood— Virginia Tech is guaranteed to finish with a losing record in conference play. That means they will probably play on day one of the ACC tournament. They're going to have to win five games in five days to win the ACC, and a competitive ACC at that. So the at-large hopes for Virginia Tech when it comes to the NCAA tournament are all but out the window at this point. And I just think it's going to be really, really tough for the Hokies at this point. I can't really speak to Syracuse. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit more. But I think the bubble picture right now for the ACC on the outside looking in that still has a shot to get in, North Carolina. And quite frankly, Carolina probably shouldn't even be on the bubble. They don't have a single quad one win. But because they have the name North Carolina, they find themselves in like the first four out, according to Joe Lenardi. The Tar Heels are on the outside looking in. Clemson was in the field. But when you lose to Louisville... That's going to make That's you bad. exit the field. Yeah. So they're going to have to get back into it. And then Wake Forest is waiting in the wings as well. So it should be interesting. But I think Virginia Tech is done from an at-large standpoint. And I think I think it's going to take a lot for Syracuse to get back into it. I would say the three on the bubble right now for the ACC, Carolina, Clemson, Wake Forest. I like that. And that, that brings up two points, too. When you talk about ACC standings, uh, first of all, you look ahead to the ACC tournament. Men's basketball for Virginia Tech, they will probably have to play five games in a row. But is there a hope that they skip up to that nine seed in any chance? I mean, if they win out, do you think there's a world where they possibly steal that away from, let's say, North Carolina? Well, the problem is here. Let's pull up the standings. This is live radio right here, even though we're not live. So we'll (laughs) pretend it is. Let's pull up the standings. So currently right now in the ACC, Virginia Tech actually would be the 11 seed right now. They own a tiebreaker with Florida State due to the Hokies win over UVA. The Hokies and Seminoles are both 6-11. and 11. I'm still confident that Tech will jump Boston College. The Eagles are 7-10 and 10 in conference play, but they've also beaten Virginia Tech twice. I don't know who Boston College finishes with. You already got to worry about jumping BC to be the 10 seed. And then you look at the 9, North Carolina's 8-8 eight eight in conference play. They could potentially jump Carolina, but the best Tech can do now in ACC play is 9-11. and 11. And that assumes you win out. And they'll, they'll probably beat Louisville at the KFC Yum Center. They'll probably beat Florida State. But they've only won once at Cameron Indoor in program history. I don't care. Like, Duke is not a great team this year, but it's tough to win down in Durham in that building. So that's going to be tough. Carolina, off the top of my head, they have four games left. They finish with, I know they have UVA. I think they have UVA in no, no particular order. UVA. Duke, Florida State, Notre Dame. They probably beat, I think they play at Notre Dame tonight. They probably beat Florida State and Notre Dame. They're they're probably going to have to win both of UVA Duke to get in the NCAA tournament. But to stay in that top nine for the ACC tournament, if they can win one, definitely two of those games, they're going to be locked in. So the Hokies really got to hope that the Tar Heels kind of fall off. And I'm not even talking about from an NCAA tournament standpoint. If they want to play on day two guaranteed, they gotta, they kind of got to hope that the Tar Heels slip up over the next two weeks. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of the Tar Heels, you mentioned it just a few minutes ago. You talk about it. Joel Lenardi has the Tar Heels. Is it the last team in or the last I think they're team? The, the first I think they're the first team out right now. First team out right As now. As of yesterday. So they're strongly in the bubble picture. Uh, let's look at it this way. That's not Joe Lenardi being biased. That's him understanding the way committee looks at it. 
you had a really but it includes point. biases yeah yeah and um that's a good way of looking at it too right because there's no quad one wins for north carolina but they have north carolina across their jersey that's a team that's in the picture simply because of the name brand image you and i were chatting about it yesterday like if a team like kansas is in the same position as north carolina they might even be the last team in right now um, just to take it a step further, but in juxtaposition to that, a team like Clemson in the same position as North Carolina would not be in the bubble picture right now. If Clemson had the same resume that North Carolina has, and see if you agree, Gio, I don't think Clemson would be even touching the bubble right now. You think that's a fair take, Gio? Yeah, probably. Yes, Chris Hirings in the corner says yes. There's, and you can reiterate what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. There's so much money that North Carolina brings to the table as far as their fans travel like crazy. That's very true. Yep. Fan bases. Like, there's so much revenue to be made off of North Carolina playing in an NCAA tournament. One of the best traveling fan bases yeah. and so much revenue. Now, I will say the tournament makes the revenue regardless, but as far as fans traveling, yes, no, 100%. But, yeah, it, it, I don't want to get on that rabbit hole, but, yeah, Carolina is certainly right on the bubble when maybe they don't exactly deserve to – to, to be there but yeah. if they beat uva and duke they should get in but it's if, it's interesting for yeah. sure and, that, and that, that brings it to two factors that make teams like north carolina enter that picture we'll stop talking about the tall yeah, heels yeah. In we're gonna go we're gonna talk about this for 10 <laughs> it's, it's one the revenue and the name brand image and then two whether or not the committee knows that they are a team that performs well in the tournament mm -hmm. you think about teams who bring weird defensive looks including syracuse or san diego state or houston now houston's a good ball club you just regardless. read off syracuse's opponents in 2020 for the NCAA. I no, <laughs> but those are three teams right there that, <laughs> and they went to the Sweet Sixteen yeah. <laughs> that bring interesting looks defensively. So if they're on the bubble, those teams usually get that selection because they know the committee or the committee knows that those teams will perform. All right, enough uh, NCAA tournament bubble. Nobody cares talk. about the Tar Heels. Yeah, no here. one cares about the Tar Heels. Let's talk about the Blue Devils. A Duke preview coming up on Saturday, I believe that is. They're going to the Cameron Indoor. Um, last matchup, a 78-75 victory for the Hokies. That snapped that really, really daunting seven-game losing streak in the ACC. What's your expectations for this Duke game? It's going to be tough. Duke is a very beatable team. They're a very beatable team. They're, you know, they don't have the guard play that they typically have there. I mean, the talent gap there between what they typically have to what they have now is so entirely different. Now, they're definitely going to be in the NCAA tournament, and they probably should be even more comfortably in the field. I don't know. Do you all watch the the Duke UVA game in Charlottesville? I, I caught how the Blue Devils it. were yeah. absolutely robbed of a win down there. The yeah. fact that Duke was actually robbed of a win is insane. Unbelievable. That never happens. Never happens. No, I mean, they're a good team. Coming into Blacksburg, when they came here a couple weeks ago, I thought Virginia Tech was going to win the game because, again, Duke is not a dynamic team. But, again, you got to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium. The Hokies have only won once there in program history. Once. And it's always tough to win in Durham. The atmosphere there should be crazy on Saturday night. I just don't really think that Virginia Tech will be able to put the pieces together to win that game. I don't want to get too much into a preview because we do have another TSL today coming up on Friday. But of course. just to tease it a little bit, yeah, no, I think Virginia Tech, they can win that game. But you're going to Cameron Indoor Stadium. Kyle Filipowski was a problem here last time. He could be a problem down low on Saturday. It'll be interesting to watch for sure, but it's tough to win in Cameron. All right. Well, uh, 8 p.m. tip off live on ESPN from Cameron Indoor Saturday night. That should be a fun one. And of course, Zach Mackey on the call for Learfield. That'll wrap it up for this men's basketball segment. I forgot to say in the beginning, we have to thank our sponsor, Triumph. Recruit, retain, reward. I'm not mistaken with Fantastic. that one, am I? Of course. All Beautiful. right. Well, we have Chris Irons joining us on the set in segment two. But beforehand, of course, Carter and I have to talk about some softball and women's hoops coming up soon. The Tar Heels for women's hoops coming up on Friday. But for now, Kyle Marshak, Carter Hill will be back on TSL today.
Welcome back to the Corporate Research Center from Blacksburg, Virginia. We're in the stew here for TSL today. Kyle Marshak across the way. We got Carter Hill, Geo producing as well as ever from behind the set and giving us a little shimmy. And then we have Chris Irons waiting for us. You didn't here have for to expose baseball. him. Oh, come on. I mean, he's a happy guy here. Can I can stew. I can I interject here real fast? Yeah. You were doing a great job in your uh, first role as the host of TSL today. Dude, you're making me blush. You oh can't embarrass me like this. Oh my gosh. In yeah. my my first hosting role. All right. Well, we're in segment. Two for TSL today. We're going to talk women's hoops, a team that's performing as well as ever to lighten our palate. And then, of course, we have softball after their Clearwater Invitational, and they have Abilene Christian coming up. And we'll top it off with the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Hirons, hopping on the stew to talk about baseball as we preview ETSU. Um, all right, let's start with women's hoops, though. Let's let's dig right in. We have the hypothetical fork and knife ready to go. Last meeting with North Carolina, which is coming up soon. They were in Castle Coliseum, 68 to 65 W, and the Hokies went 38% from the field, but 39% from three. That's the first thing I think of when I see that, that box score. Yeah, yeah, and, and you look at this, and it's one of those things, too, where Virginia Tech, they have continued to roll ever since that North Carolina game for the most part. Can we touch on this NC State game back on? back on Sunday a little bit too because I think too that's the bigger storyline as we head into this Thursday game Virginia Tech 75-62 winners over the Wolfpack and it was quite frankly one of their better performances of the year you look at the box score overall Liz Kitley with 24 points Georgia Amor with 15 uh, DeAsia Gregg with 13 and then Taylor Soule with 12 I thought the highlight of that ball game was Liz Kitley was the best defensively I have seen her probably in her Virginia Tech career. Camille Hobby down low, who was matched up against Kitley, she scored the first eight points of the ball game for NC State, and she did not score the rest of the way. I thought Lockdown. Kitley was phenomenal back on Sunday. So let's let's look at it from a, a larger scope here. As of February 6th, which was a Monday, uh, they had a 6 p.m. tip with number 22 ranked NC State at the time. And from there, looking forward, they had what was at that moment five consecutive ranked opponents. Now, NC State was no longer ranked at the moment that they played them. They walked away 75-62 your score. Uh, that was a good one in Castle. And now they prepare for an unranked North Carolina squad. Still a very strong team. AC Suman's basketball, as strong as it's ever been. What do they got to do to defeat the Tar Heels for a second time? Well, they got to continue to <laughs> shoot the ball well from the field. That NC State game, 56% from the field, 32% from three isn't great, but they were really good from inside the arc and really good on the inside. If they can continue to do that, Virginia Tech will have a chance to win this game. Yeah, you mentioned it. Let's go back to that North Carolina game back in Blacksburg early on. That was on New Year's Day. I was actually on the call for that one. That feels forever ago. 68-65, that was a thrilling win for the Hokies. They got to stop kind of that that quartet for North Carolina. Alyssa Utsby is really good at the guard position. Kennedy Todd Williams has been around for quite some time as well. Deja Kelly at their point guard position is phenomenal too. 21 points the last time these two teams met. And then Anya Poole down low is an all ACC performer. She only scored a single point the last two times or the last time these two teams met in Blacksburg. These two teams, it always seems like when they get together, they play a close ball game. I think it was something like this is off the top of my head, so this could be completely wrong. But since Courtney Banghart, the head coach for North Carolina, took over in Chapel Hill, Tech and North Carolina have played like eight, nine times, and like six of those games have been decided by single digits and five by one possession. We all remember, we all three were there, and Chris was there too. The ACC Women's Basketball Tournament last year, the quarterfinal matchup with North Carolina was that game where Georgia Amor hit the (laughs) shot to put him up two with two seconds left, and then Alyssa Utsby, I believe, Gio would know, he was calling it, 
tied the game up at the end of regulation, and then Virginia Tech ended up winning in overtime. These two teams, they always play close ball games, and going down to Chapel Hill will be tough. Carmichael Arena is a place that rocks and rolls for women's basketball, especially when Carolina's winning. We saw how it was earlier this season. They sold out the Duke game earlier this year. I don't know what what it's looking like right now from a fan standpoint in terms of how many people are going to be there, but I can imagine it will be a great atmosphere when Tech goes down to Chapel Hill. It's a top 10 team in Virginia Tech, and North Carolina, they really, really want to be able to knock off the Hokies and secure a top four spot and a top four seed in Greensboro, uh, Greensboro in two weeks. Yeah, and before we talk about the roof and the floor for the Hokies going into the ACC tournament and what we hope in the postseason afterward, can we just talk about the fact of how fun it is for women's hoops to be uh, in the Raleigh to Durham area? I mean, we talk about all the time. There are four D1 schools in the ACC in that area alone. There are like seven in the area overall, regardless of conference. Um, the past two games, Duke and NC State were here at Castle. Now they finally make a trip out to that area for North Carolina. You and I have made a couple of trips out mm-hmm. in that direction. I just have to remark, it's so fun going out to that area. It is fun to go out to that area. Yeah. I know you have some friends at NC State, and I enjoy going down there. Yeah, Jack Brisson and David went down for the Duke game at Cameron Indoor a couple weeks ago, and then David and I went to Reynolds Coliseum in Raleigh for the NC State game a couple weeks ago. We drove together down there. That was one of my favorite places I've ever covered a game that at NC State. It's a fun place to go see a game, both there, both Carmichael Arena. I would love to be going tomorrow. I am not, unfortunately. But again, this is going to be a rocking atmosphere. And again, to your point about just women's basketball in general right now, let's focus on Blacksburg. Back on Sunday, there were almost 6,500 people yeah. inside Castle Coliseum for the Virginia Tech NC State game. It felt like a men's atmosphere. It was fantastic. Best atmosphere for a women's basketball game I've ever seen in Blacksburg. It's the largest crowd for a women's hoops game here at Castle Coliseum since 2004. I was talking on the phone uh, with Evan Hughes the other day about this. Evan was going into kindergarten that year. I was not even a year old, and you probably had just turned one the last time Virginia Tech had that big of a crowd inside Castle Coliseum. I was a toddler. Yeah, you were a toddler. (laughs) Or or a baby at that point, an infant. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that also, allow me to say this too, like, I think that was, I was always teeter-tottering on whether or not Virginia Tech would sell out Castle Coliseum for the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament, assuming they move on. <clears throat> Sunday solidified it for me that Virginia Tech would sell out Castle Coliseum for the NCAA tournament here in two weeks. Because the Hokies at this point, they pretty much secured a, a spot to host in the NCAA tournament this year. I don't think, even if they lose, even if they lose to Carolina, they lose to Georgia Tech, and they probably should not lose to Georgia Tech. I could see them losing tomorrow, but Georgia Tech, I don't I don't see the Hokies falling in Atlanta. I think I think the Hokies have pretty much secured hosting hosting the NCAA tournament in Blacksburg this year. And I think Virginia Tech would would, would sell out Castle for the first time in quite some time. Now, before we dig into the NCAA tournament picture, North Carolina coming up, as we mentioned, but we are just recapping that NC State game. First of all, NC State fans travel as well as anyone. Mm -hmm. Easily the best fan base for women's hoops in the ACC. You and I saw it last year in Greensboro. So, oh, shout out to our friend Jenna at NC State. She's a massive Wolfpack fan. (laughs) My mom also told me to say hi to her. So, hi, mom. Um, Anyways. We're going into the NCAA tournament picture now. Uh, What is the roof for this team? And what about this roster says that they will perform better than compared to what you could say was a little bit of an underwhelming performance in the NCAA tournament after a first round ejection to uh, Florida Gulf Coast? Well, they're hitting their strides at the right time. Not only is this a really good team, but they continued to win night in and night out in dominant fashion too. Last year for the NCAA tournament, Virginia Tech really wasn't healthy. 
Kayla King was banged up. Liz yeah. Kitley was banged up, even though she put up what, Chris? Was it you were there? Was it 40 something points in that 40 program high, 42, 43? Yeah, something like that. So they weren't healthy going into that NCAA tournament matchup. Virginia Tech not only is healthy right now, even though Ashley Owusu is still playing a limited role, but they are hitting their strides at the right time. So I would not, if you were anybody on Virginia Tech's schedule, I would not want to see the Hokies right now. Quite frankly, like, take the VT off. I would pick Virginia Tech to win the ACC right now in Greensboro. I think they're the hottest team in the league. Now, Carolina has started to play better. Notre Dame is still a very dynamic ball club, but they lost Darren Mabry, and Duke has started to falter as well. Everybody knows what's happened to NC State this year, too, and Louisville is not as good as advertised. I think Virginia Tech is as well-equipped as anybody in the league to win the ACC when it comes to tournament time down in Greensboro. And I think from an NCAA tournament standpoint, when you look at their ceiling, I could see them going Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I don't know about Final Four, but maybe Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I think that's that's a good ceiling for this Tech team. I like that. Now, you know, that's that's kind of the wonder right now is what is the roof and the floor? I think those are, are pretty good boundaries to set for them. The ACC uh, in women's basketball is as strong as it's ever been. Real quick, the roof and the floor for the tournament picture before we head to the NCAA tournament. What do you what do you think is the, the word there? There's a lot of tough teams for them to face. The NCAA tournament? The ACC tournament. The ACC tournament, sorry. I'm skipping all over the no, place. No, 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 you're good, you're good. I think... I mean, I, I think the ceiling is winning the league. Like I just said, I, I think I think right now I would pick them to win the ACC. The floor depends on the matchup. Now, they're guaranteed to play in the quarterfinals in all likelihood. So I would say the floor is losing in the quarterfinals because you just never know what can happen. You know, like it just really depends on who you're matched up against. So I would say that's the ceiling and the floor. But this this tech team is well equipped to win the ACC for sure. All right, well, let's flip the script to some softball. We're looking at them preparing for Abilene Christian in the Lone Star State Invitational. Right now, they are 7-3 and three overall, and they are ranked uh, number 10-12 in the nation. So 7-3. and three. They faced three ranked teams in the Clearwater Invitational. They lost to all three, but they had some good performances. What stands out to you with the softball team? Well, I think this weekend, yes, you know, it, it was disappointing to see them lose to number 5 Oklahoma State, though they got back into that ball game. We were sitting here on set and they were losing nine to three they came back jamie bailey kelsey bennett two solo shots in the seventh to tie the game up at nine just ended up falling late in that one that was an incredible ball game they lose the number two ucla and then they lose the number 10 arizona yes they did go zero and three in that ranked stretch but this is still a huge test that will really benefit this Virginia Tech team going forward, in my opinion. And that's what Pete DeMore had in mind. He threw his young guns against those big ball clubs. Emma Limley, what, she only pitched against Nebraska and USF. She threw against Arizona, too. But, I mean, when you're not throwing Limley against UCLA and Oklahoma State, I think it's one of those games where Pete DeMore is like, you know, let's play the long game. We're preparing for a regional. We're preparing for a super regional. Let's see what we got in our other pitchers, and let's see what we got in our other arms. So I thought that was what really stood out to me about the weekend. Yes, they did go 0-3, but I think playing this type of competition will really help out Virginia Tech in the long run. And now you got another test this weekend. You mentioned Abilene Christian. They also got number 9 Texas down in Austin. And Texas was the national runners-up last year to Oklahoma. So it just never stops. And this is the last weekend of non-conference play for Tech softball before conference play starts next weekend when NC State comes to town. So it's one more opportunity for Tech to kind of fine-tune some things and figure out what they got before the Wolfpack come to town. Yeah, and Mount St. Mary's a doubleheader uh, a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, the Tuesday, it's the it's the first day of the ACC men's tournament. Right. 
And so you and I are going to be on the call for that one. I'm mm-hmm. excited for that, Carter. That should be fun. I just wanted to mention that because I'm so excited. All right, pitching and hitting for softball real quick. What would you say is the, the the thing we should probably focus more on right now? I think their hitting's pretty strong. Is it their pitching that they need to improve? I mean, they're exceptional in both. Yeah, well, offensively, I think Virginia Tech is going to be set. I mean, they scored nine runs with ease against Oklahoma State. You know what I mean? Like, they are never going to be out of a ball game. Yes, they did falter a little bit against Arizona, a little bit against South Florida. Offensively, they're going to be fine. It's just going to be about developing pitching to me because Emma Limley is obviously, like, one of the best pitchers in the yeah. country, but she's still just a sophomore. You got to develop her even more. And then you got a, a bunch of young guns behind her. And you also got Bree Peck thrown in the circle for the first time this season. So it's about pitching. It's about development, figuring out what you got in the circle. That's what really stands out more to me. Bree Peck might be one of the most valuable assets to this roster, too. She's one of four girls in the lineup right now with an OPS above 1,000. And not to mention, Addie Green is just behind them with an OPS of 988. Mm-hmm. They swing the sticks as well as any team they in the country. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how Lindsay, Lindsay Grime pitches, too, because yeah. I, I think... It's the second straight year that Tech has brought in a prize true freshman out of the recruiting ranks. Emily Emily, obviously, last year and Grind this year. If she can continue to develop and get on that same trajectory as maybe Keely Rochard, maybe Emily Emily, Tech will be set. But it's all about development right now. But the offense will be offense should be just fine. No no problems offensively right now. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a really strong performance for softball. Coming up, we look ahead on their schedule. They have Abilene Christian for the Lone Star State Invitational. And as you said, number nine ranked Texas. They have a 2.30 uh, o'clock first pitch um, Friday afternoon. We await to see what the coverage will be on for TV. But that should be a fun one. All right, Carter, thank you for hopping on the stew with me today. Hey. Let's do the old switcheroo. Let's replace you with Chris right now and talk Ooh, baseball. Always enjoy my time in stew. Stu. Dude, I love Stu Stu. Chris, hop on, my man. Chris, you just waking up? I'm up here. I got my water. Hey, get it. Let's go get it. <laughs> Always in a good mood. Welcome on to the set, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Baseball has us in a good mood. Number 14 ranked squad in the country. Uh, all right. Well, they, they perform pretty well against ETSU. But before we dig into the numbers, just general new surprise players. Who's in your mind right now? I don't know if I was surprised by anyone. I think everyone's kind of done what I was told. Chris Canizero, the the kid from Bucknell, graduate transfer. He, uh, he, he had a pretty good weekend. Um, he had, what, a double against Charleston. And then yeah. he had a homer last night, slammed the hammer. Um, Carson Martini came on. Um, doubled uh, in the Friday game where Tech really couldn't get anything going against Charleston and hit the Grand Slam last night. Um, maybe someone, yeah, uh, actually there is a surprise. Christian Martin, I take that back. Um, second baseman, sophomore from uh, Northern Virginia, I believe. Um, I got I to gotta look that up. Um, but he tripled last night. He hit a double on Sunday, um, kind of starting to take uh, Eduardo Malinowski's role, who's kind of, you know, struggled to begin the season a little bit. Yeah. But again, only 10 at bats. You can't really tell much from that. But I mean, but Christian Martin, I mean, he's been, he's, he's had a solid start this season. And let's, let's stack on top of that. Well, first of all, uh, thanks to Carson Demartini to explaining, uh, to Gio on our triumph interview the other day, the loophole with getting the hammer on the field. I think that's cool. And honestly, replacing it with a bat after a warning early in series, uh, it kind of fits for me. You a fan of, of using the bat as a sledgehammer, hypothetically? Um, I don't know. Like it just it 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 looks awkward. The bat. Personally, I like the air hammer more. 
Um, I was talking to John Chef uh, after the game on Sunday where Tech had, you know, slammed the hammer for their first home run and then, you know, had two more home runs from Jack Hurley and Garrett Michelle where they both slammed the bat. Chef uh, said maybe, you know, going back to the air hammer might work a little bit better. He said the bat's a little awkward. Um, but just to clarify for that rule, um, Tech had Tech can use, so once a series or once per midweek game, the first time they hit a home run, they can slam the hammer. That results in a warning. And then the next two times, they either have to go to the air hammer or the bat hammer, and that's up to the discretion of the umpire and crew. Um, on, during the weekend, the umpire and crew, was, they were fine with the bat, but the, um, the crew yesterday, they said that you know Tech couldn't use a bat because they considered it a prop. So Tech went with the air hammer. Now that's interesting because I felt like in the NCAA rules it said non-baseball equipment, right? Non-sport related equipment. A bat is technically, you know, baseball related. Do you think they're they're kind of getting a little too tight with that one? It's it's umpires' it's discretion. Their discretion. I mean, yeah. it's it's how they interpret Why the rule. Is it left up to the umpire? All the, I mean, ba- baseball rules like that, like they are left up to the umpires' that's discretion. A fair question. That's just. I mean, that's just the way yeah. it's been. And I mean, it's, it's really just umpire's discretion. They can say, yeah. you know, kind of. That's a sport as old as time, too. So so they are a, definitely a, a crew that goes with the, the rule book. All right, let's dig into the numbers for this team. Really, the first thing that stands out, the Hokies have outscored their opponents 44 to 15 so far. It looks like they once again have one of the best offenses in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, last year, obviously, they hit a 126 home run, second most of program history. This yeah. year, you know, you kind of see. You know, they're manufacturing runs. Um, the Saturday, Friday game, they, you know, they kind of got off to a slow start. But Saturday, um, they they manufactured every single run they scored, didn't hit a single homer. Um, and then <laughs> Sunday um, had the three homers and hit two yesterday. But, you know, I think this team is a lot of, like, pitch to contact rather than yeah. power. Um, they got some help from the Blacksburg win last night with um, Canizero's and Martini's homer. Yeah. But... You know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of pitch to contact. You watch with Kana Zero. Um, Christian Martin's a big contact guy. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Carson Carson Jones, who had the, who had a bunch of homers last season, he's had a he's had a bunch of RBI singles this this yeah. spring. So I mean, it's it's a team that's you know more pitch to contact, hit the ball in the gaps rather than drive the ball over the over the wall. Now, what's the hope for a guy like Jack Hurley, who led the NCAA in batting average for a large majority of last year's regular season, looking to be kind of that premier guy for the Hokies, you could say hypothetically, in replacement of Gavin Cross? Yeah, I mean, Jack, I mean, he it's it's Jack's team now, but you could also it's you could also argue it's Carson's team too. Yeah. But, you know, Jack and and Carson, they're the two stars on the offense that were brought back from last year. You know, the two guys that hit in the high three hundreds that, you know, hit a bunch of home runs. Um, But, you know, I mean, what you're hoping from Jack is, you know, he replicates his success from last season. For sure. All right, well, let's preview this Bryant series. It's a a decent team. Um, We saw them last year, uh, and they're kind of strong out of that mid-major area, right? We saw how the Hokies performed against Charleston. You see a lot of parity against mid-major schools. What's the hope against Bryant? You think they they are happy with a sweep, or could they settle for a, a split like they did with Charleston? I mean, obviously, if you're you know a baseball player, you're hoping you know you sweep, you win every game, and if you're the team, you're hoping you sweep. Um, but Bryant, Bryant is one of those teams. You know, they make the NCAA tournament almost yeah. every year. You know, they're pretty good. Um, you know, I think that Tech, the fact that they're at home, they don't have to go on a five and a half hour bus ride along with schoolwork. They don't have any other priorities. You know, they are here this weekend. They are here to play baseball. Um, 
you know, I think I think a sweep is definitely in the realm of possibilities. Outside of a Grand Slam last weekend, Tech sweeps that Charleston series. So I mean, I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't say like, you know, expect a sweep, but like there's there's a there's a good chance that that sweep's going to happen. Yeah, we we know there's a lot of parity in baseball, so we'll see how that series goes. All right, so let's let's check out the broadcast. 8 p.m. tip off live on ESPN from Cameron Indoor Saturday night for men's basketball at Duke. Geo's pumped for that one. Women's basketball at North Carolina on the regional sports network. 8 p.m. tip tomorrow night in Chapel Hill. And of course, we said men's baseball versus Bryant. Game one, 1 p.m. first pitch Friday afternoon live on the ACC network. Extra. Or you can listen to it live on Learfield with our very own Giovanni Heater on the call. Look at him blushing behind the desk. He's so happy. Filling in for Evan Hughes, of course. Now, Evan Hughes, obviously the the radio voice of men's baseball, but Gio got the nod for that one, so we're excited for him. Congrats to Gio. And then, of course, women's softball versus Abilene Christian as we at Learfield are waiting for softball to come into town. We get to cover that on the radio this year, too. So we're very excited for that. The Lone Star State Invitational, 2.30 p.m. first pitch Friday afternoon. But for now, Kyle Marshak, Chris Irons across the way. Thank you to Carter Hill and Giovanni Heater producing for us. And, of course, Triumph, our sponsor recruit retain reward i'm still getting down that uh that slogan but we've got it for now all right thank you guys for tuning into this edition of tsl today we ran a little bit long but we had a lot of vt sports to talk about so we'll see you guys next time from the stew